All right. Well, welcome back to another episode of Fresh Brains Podcast. Uh, with you, as always, your host, Scott. And I'm Brian, the guy who hasn't seen any of these movies. <laughs> well, I'm throwing a curveball at you this week, Brian, because um, believe it or not, neither have I this time. What? You haven't? What movie are we watching again? The Dracula's Horror or something? Yeah, Horror of Dracula, 1958. It's one of the Hammer Studios horror films. Um, and yeah, I, I kind of picked this one out, uh, well, for, for two reasons. Uh, one, I knew that it would be it would be a good one for the show to do, or for us to do on the show. But also, um, I've kind of been doing the whole 31 days of Halloween thing, where mm-hmm. you watch a different horror movie every every night through October. <laughs> and as I was kind of planning through, you know, what I wanted to do for that, I had I had my list and most of it was either revisiting old favorites or I kind of had that list of those movies that are just really important that I, I need to get to and have been on my to do list forever. And uh, this one made it on there and, it, you know, trying to figure out where it fit into the, the schedule for the week. I saw, well, it could, it's a good overlap for the show, too. So, um yeah, we'll get two fresh brains tonight. Oh wow, double the fun! <laughs> yeah, d- double your pleasure, double your fun. <laughs> so wait, so you've you've already seen what, what's the date? It's the fourth, right? You've seen four horror movies so far this month. Uh, this will be the fourth, yes. Oh wow, mind if I ask what they were? Uh, yeah, what have I watched so far? I watched um, North by Northwest. Uh, which is a classic Hitchcock mm-hmm. film. Um, and then I watched The Host, which okay. was a Korean uh, monster movie. Yep. Have you seen that one? Uh, you know, I'm not sure. I watched this. I feel like I'm getting it. Maybe I'm getting it confused. with. I saw this movie once where there are these little crustaceans that ate people's tongues. Is that the same thing? Nope, not the same host. Okay, then I, I probably haven't seen Host. Yeah, Host is good. Um, I doubt we'd ever do it here for this show, but um, it's it's good. It's it's a great, you know, the effects for the monster are, are awesome. So if you like kind of big monster attacking a city, this is definitely a good one. Although it's it's pretty slow paced, two hours long, and you could really, you could trim about an hour of that out and still have a pretty good movie. So, yeah, uh, okay. But yeah, cool. good, good overall. Uh, and then last night I watched uh, John Carpenter's The Thing. Oh, I have seen that movie and I love that movie. I should rewatch that again. You should rewatch that again. Yeah. All right, I'll do that this weekend. So yeah, I've got a full schedule. There, there's all sorts of goodies coming up in the future. I'm sure each each week we do this. I'll I'll drop a brief little. Um, synopsis of some of the things that I've watched, but yeah, you should do some too. Yeah, I think, um, well, I think on Sunday, today's Tuesday, I guess, but I think on Sunday I watched uh, The Midnight Meat Train, which is <laughs> kind of a ridiculous movie. Uh, movie that almost didn't come out. Seriously? You, yeah, you... it had a lot of production problems and it, w- it was being hyped for a long time and it, um, just yeah just kept hitting delay after delay and at one point they even were going to drop part of the name and it was just going to be midnight train because they thought that might actually get better coverage (laughs) 
and then I think it was after test audiences saw it, they, you know, just said that was stupid and they wanted the full title back. So it went back to Midnight Meat Train. But yeah, that was in kind of production limbo for a while. Yeah, it's a, I don't know. I wouldn't call it like a, well, I don't know. Some people, are, I, I don't know anything about the horror crowd or anything, but I, I wouldn't call it like my favorite movie, but it has like a sort of a twist to it that I, I enjoy. Plus, it's the main actor is really, you should have watched him go down a dark road. And it, for whatever reason, it's 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 funny to watch him do that in that movie, even though it's not a funny movie, I wouldn't say. Hmm. But uh, Interesting. Yeah. Anyway, that movie surprised me. Wouldn't I'd give it maybe like a B. Okay. Yeah. So it's it's not a grade A meat train. <laughs> oh shit, that is so good. God, usually usually that's me doing those kinds of jokes, but that was fantastic. No, this one I think is definitely like 75% lean. <laughs> Although I guess that's sort of a C, right? But uh but no, it's definitely worth a watch. It's a fun one. All right. So tonight, um, yeah, watching the horror of Dracula. Uh, I don't have a ton of trivia or a lot of info to give you ahead of time. Other than I, I can kind of lay out what the the Hammer Studio uh, was kind of all about, which is what this is, who, who produced this. Um, so you said you have seen a small collection of some of the universal studios monster movies. Like you saw Dracula, you said. Yeah. Yeah. I saw the original Dracula. Okay. So universal studios kind of had their heyday uh, starting in like 1931. And it it really went until like the mid fifties. But that's when kind of their big six franchises, which were Dracula, Frankenstein, the mummy, the Invisible Man, the Wolf Man, and Creature from the Black Lagoon were kind of running their course. And some of those franchises were smaller. Uh, like, I think the Wolf Man only had one or two official movies released in the series, but then Frankenstein was close to seven or eight. Um, mm. and, and those just kind of, that was almost all that Universal Studios was putting out there for, for several years, um, at least on the horror front was just kind of continuing these six franchises and they, and they did a lot of crossovers too. Um, there was Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. There was um, <laughs> house of Frank house of Frankenstein house of Dracula, which were kind of a, a mashup that had several of the characters together. Um, but kind of by the mid fifties, it had more or less run its course. Uh, they were pretty much just done with, with this kind of movie. And I don't know all the legalities of how the rights transferred um, or if there was even an official rights transfer, but it was right around that same period that a studio over in England kind of took up the reins and and decided to start making their own versions of of these classic monster movies. So, you know, the the three Hmm. most notable ones were Dracula, Frankenstein, and the mummy. And, uh, this one horror of Dracula is the first of their Dracula franchise uh, mm. came out in 1958. Uh, they also did the curse of Frankenstein, which I don't have the dates in front of me, but it was around that same period. And then the mummy, uh, I think was maybe a year or two later. Um, Shouldn't that and be they like made, the you know, cur- 
the curse of the mummy right isn't that an actual movie where but then they did the curse of frankenstein they did the curse of frankenstein yeah oh okay so and there were sequels to several of these too um but yeah it was kind of just taking these same classic literary monsters and and putting them in the hands of a different studio um and and what was most notable to compare this to universal is that you know number one this was colorized where all the universals were black and white uh but also it was just a different you know a completely different cast of actors involved and you know throughout the universal run you saw the same actors kind of you know movie after movie uh you know bella lugosi and uh, lon chaney jr uh, Boris Karloff were kind of the the main players who were reprising various roles, uh, you know, throughout those movies. And they did a similar thing here with the Hammer Productions, and the two most notable actors are Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing. So I Christopher Lee that so that name is familiar. What, hasn't he been in a lot of stuff? Christopher Lee has been in. It's famous. Uh, right? I, famous I think actor. at one point, as the IMDb had over a hundred credits. Um, yeah, the guy was. Brand in just about every movie uh let's see filmography christopher lee 286 acting credits oh my god yeah he's he's been in a ton i think most notably what people you know uh, that aren't classic horror fans more modern audiences would know him mostly for what he did in the Lord of the Rings trilogy, he was Saruman. Um, oh, oh, crap! And okay, yeah, in, now I know him. In the um, later Star Wars movies, he was Count uh, Dooku. Dooku, right? Okay. Not to be confused with Dookie. Keep no, in, uh, no different different character. <laughs> um. So yeah, he played the villain in in almost all of these. So he plays Dracula in this one. And I'm, I'm pretty sure he's played, you know, the the monsters in a lot of these films. And he was always kind of pitted against uh, Peter Cushing, who in this case plays Van Helsing and, uh, and a lot of times played, you know, the the antagonist or the antithesis to Christopher Lee. Um, Peter Cushing is, a, is another name that you would probably know. Um, oh. it, most notably also for being in Star Wars, he was a uh, grandma of Tarkin. So I, I don't know who that is. Sorry. Yeah, I'm not quite enough of a Star Wars nerd to remember all of the characters, but it was interesting to see the the kind of two iconic horror or hammer horror character or actors then both go on and be in, you know, Star Wars opposite one another. Um weird. Interesting. So yeah, Peter Cushing is another name that a lot of people know and he he's been in in several things. So scroll down his IMDb sometime. I promise you you've seen movies that he starred in um okay peter cushing we'll look him up yep so yeah that's it's just kind of an interesting role uh i you know from everything i know about all the other hammer movies that i've seen christopher lee just really chews up the scenery i mean you you can barely fit another actor in the room when he's in there um but it's not to say he does a bad job he's just kind of a classically trained stage actor who likes mm. to ham it up and steal the spotlight okay cool i'm down with that 
I'm a, uh, a big, well, I guess a lot of people might shoot me for saying this, but I don't think Captain Picard really hams it up, but he's a classically trained actor. So that's what I immediately think of. Alrighty. So yeah, this will be a fun little, <laughs> fun little journey for both of us to see this for the first time. Um, I don't know how many times we'll actually get an opportunity to do this, but this, this will be neat. Yeah, it's pretty cool. But um, so why, why this movie? Is there any particular reason to watch this one just because neither of us have seen it? Uh, yeah, I would say, you know, I was in the mood for a horror or hammer horror movie um, kind of have been thinking about Dracula lately for some reason and thought, well, why not, why not go this route? Yeah. All right. So cool. check the box and, you know, cross off another one off my uh, to-do list. Cool. All right. Well, I'm uh, happy to check it out with you. Okay. So we'll um, go get some popcorn and we'll meet you back here in a few minutes. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Delicious things to eat. The popcorn can't be beat. The sparkling drinks are just dandy. The chocolate bars and the candy. So let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. So what'd you think of Horror of Dracula? I think that was just about the scariest movie. No, I'm joking. <laughs> um, it was, uh, well, you know how some of them hold up and some of them don't? I don't know if that one holds up. I think that's not a holding up one although mm. it might be kind of fun to watch with uh, a lot of beer you think it's you know in your opinion is it because of the the age of it or the content because I, I have some thoughts on multiple fronts but I'm, I'm curious what you think um yeah i guess this was your first time seeing it too right um i mm-hmm. think i think they uh took kind of a like a I mean, the, the plot of Dracula is not super complicated, I don't think. I think they, like, really swapped it out quite a bit. It was kind of confusing. It was, a, it was a lot confusing. Like, it wasn't really clear. Like, in the original Dracula, you know, Jonathan Harker, he goes to Dracula's castle because he's a solicitor and he's going to help, you know, Dracula, you know, buy up some land over in London. But in this case... He goes there as like a vampire slayer and as a librarian. And I don't really understand why, you know, Dracula kept him there. And then I guess Dracula killed him pretty quickly and then decided that he got jealous and moved to London to steal his girl, even though he was already got him into as a vampire. I don't know. It was it was not a they they did a lot of explaining i think like when they wrote the script they were like oh wait audiences might not follow this so let's you know it's you know it's like two-thirds of the way through the movie let's explain that scene that we did and then the characters have some dialogue that explains exactly what happened so it wasn't yeah 
Go ahead, Scott. No, you're right. I think that, I mean, just if we're going to break down the plot a little bit, I think that the book of Dracula, you know, tells tells a story. It's got its own set of characters. Um, I've seen several different versions of Dracula on film, and none of them have been faithful to the movie they they or to the book. They all take liberties and, and change things around here and there. Um, you know, even going to whether it's the Bram Stoker's Dracula, the Francis Ford Coppola one, um, 1931, Bela Lugosi, or Nosferatu, even in the 20s. Like, there, there's lots of different versions. Everyone changed it a little bit. And this one, I think, was one of the more liberal adaptations. Um, and you're right. I, I didn't think about it at the time because I didn't know where the plot was going. But the, the changes that they made to Parker kind of didn't make any sense. Yeah. Because if he's... He's hired as a librarian, which, okay, fine. I could see why Dracula would would want that. Um, Although it's less motivating than when he was a a lawyer trying to sell him real estate in the the book or in the other versions, because that makes sense. Dracula wants to get to Carfax. He wants to get into London. So he needs that role. In here, it wasn't really as strong that he needs a librarian. So I don't, I don't see the the, the benefit to making that change. Um, and then, yeah, they, you know, they they kill him off pretty quickly. Um, but I I think to some degree that helped because um, I think that the one thing that is kind of weak in the book is you have this very, very strong cut between the first act and the second act. Um, Mm. You know, everything about Jonathan in the castle, learning what's going on, then he tries to escape. Um, You know, that's that's kind of one story. Then everything that happens over in London is kind of its own second story. And this one had a little bit more of a logical bridge between the two because they also showed that um, Van Helsing and Harker were, you know, very close friends. So, you know, and and like you said, Harker was kind of a um, protege vampire hunter. So he went over to kill Dracula, failed, and Van Helsing was basically going to check up on him when he discovered he was dead. So ran back to London to say, to tell Harker's family and Mm -hmm. Once he got back, discovered, oh, Dracula's made it here because Dracula wants revenge on Parker. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a big change, but I think that made it a little more sense than what was originally presented in the book. Yeah, I think I think I would agree with that. It's sort of more of a an easier to follow connection, I guess, although it doesn't explain why. Why was Harker going after Dracula in the first place? I guess we're just sort of left to assume he knows about vampires and he knows that Dracula is a bad vampire. Right. Yeah, that would be my right. guess. Yeah. Following up on the legend and the curse. Or like I said, maybe he's seen the 31 movie. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. And I think the other thing, they, they did some 
like weird changes, right? So they they've almost entirely swapped the roles of Mina and Lucy, right? Mm-hmm. Like completely swapped them for just from what I could tell, no no reason other than maybe they wanted to swap them. Yeah, I mean, sometimes people think, ooh, I'll be creative and I'll make changes and that makes it my own when in reality, like switching two characters' names is is not that creative. <laughs> yeah, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know what the motivation for, for that was. I've seen that done other places too in other adaptations like where mm. they'll they'll switch the names or you know of lucy versus um mina um don't know don't know why that's done um but i want to go back to kind of what you were talking about about the movie just kind of being slow and dry and not not holding up well um to me and and feel free to jump in at any point mm. i think there's three reasons for that and and i would agree i think that this was not it's a good adaptation of dracula i i did like it i think that there were things that were very good about it but it's it was a slow slowly paced movie um and i think that to me there's there's three things that could have caused that one is just the source material um like I said, Dracula in and of itself, you know, no disrespect to to Dracula. It's a slow tale. Um, the, yeah. the book, the book, uh, like we said, that first half when Jonathan's in the castle is some of the best reading ever. I mean, it's it's, it's very well paced. It's very enjoyable. I, I really, really love the first half of that book. Yep. The second half is a tough sell. Um, it's a lot of just kind of police procedural um, medical diagnosis of let's do a lot of blood transfusions. Let's try to figure out what's going on. And it's, it's a lot of just exposition Van Helsing and these other characters standing around talking about blood transfusions. And it's tough. (laughs) It's tough to get through. Um, They really took their time. I think in the book, like, because in the when the book came out, nobody, I guess, presumably nobody had ever heard of you know vampires before. At least they weren't mainstream or anything. But I think they took a lot of time there because they could sort of milk out that. Let's explain it. Let's let's take like a horror story and and sort of you you describe it like like a med- give a medical diagnosis of it. Right? They were very methodical about how they introduce readers to something that. It just sort of seems like you know myths and fairy tales, and I think they spent a lot of time trying to make it real. And you know, well, and it and it added to right? the mystery too, because like yeah. you said, we didn't know what a vampire was at that time, so to we were discovering it as they were. So when they were doing things like, oh, she needs a blood transfusion, we weren't thinking, oh, that's because somebody just came in and sucked her blood. Like you didn't understand that, so. Right. It kind of made sense. Whereas here, when they did that, we already knew that he had sucked her blood, right? Right, they, right. They showed him sucking her blood like a bunch of times, and they killed Lucy that way. Yeah. They sort of did it, did it kind of wrong, I think. Anyways, yeah, so that what was the third point. 
well, so that was the first one. It's just that the source material is a little slow. Um, the second one might be the age to some degree. Um, this was 1958, I want to say. Um, and movies at that point were were coming along. They were getting better. And, you know, certain directors who were really on top of their game, like uh, Alfred Hitchcock was making movies at, at around this same era, uh, you know, over here in the U.S. versus over in England. Mm. But, you know, Hitchcock was a master of suspense and could take a movie that's, you know, even a longer running time than this and and keep your attention because he mm-hmm. he was able to frame things in such a way that you always were on the edge of your seat waiting to see what's going to happen next. Uh, this movie though, surprisingly was only an hour and 22 minutes, but oh, wow. you know, I'm, I don't know how you felt, but I felt like a lot longer than that to me. Um, yeah, I, I felt, I thought this was a little bit more than that. Right. So I think that a lot of that is just that era um, they still kind of played with you know, pacing issues and, and there's, there, there's several subgenres, So it's, it's not a universal that all movies from this era were, were slow, you know, and they certainly didn't follow the same formula, but I do think that that was part of it. It was that just, you know, a, a harder thing to keep your attention. And I'll say the same thing, even if we go back to like some of the universal movies, um, which we'll definitely be doing on the podcast at some point, but those there, there's some hidden gems in there for sure that, you know, I think stand up and are wonderful movies from beginning to end, but there's a lot of the others that are, that are tough cells and, and they kind of have this same problem of just being a little bit slower kind of dialogue heavy a lot of exposition and it's kind of the okay let's let's get to the point um kind of feeling and and that just goes with the times i think is is what it is so not it's it's something i'm not going to say is a flaw of this film because i think that it's probably right where it was supposed to be at that time Hmm. but you know our perspective now of coming at it in 2022 it's harder to keep our attention yeah, and I also think that, you know, again, we were talking about the, they changed a lot of things, and, you know, I think they some of the choices that they made to sort of keep the same, right, like the journal, they kept the journal in there, right, mm-hmm. that that really didn't, I didn't think that made for a good, good film, I guess, and this, maybe this is sort of going with, go along with what you're saying of how maybe for the time it was right, but but they didn't quite get it the way we would normally expect to now. Cause it was, those were some of the slowest scenes for me where, you know, the guy, he, he dips his pen in the inkwell. He writes a little bit. We hear the narration followed by a pause and a little bit of music while he dips his pen again. And he writes, you know what I mean? For, for mm-hmm. me, those were like, it's like nails on a chalkboard slow. Yeah, I, I didn't have as as big a problem with that. I, I could get where you're coming at, but oh, yeah. Yeah. Right, so point three. Um, I I think point three, and this this is going to sound a little bit more unfair, um, but I I wonder 
I guess I should say I don't feel this way, but I was just kind of curious if if you had a thought about this. But did the fact that it's a British movie affect it for you? Mm, I I don't think so. Not that I'm really aware of. I think it was a little strange that they didn't like everybody in the movie was British. I guess, and they didn't like. I think I mentioned at one point during the movie I was like. He doesn't have a Transylvanian accent or anything like that. Yeah. <laughs> Every, everybody spoke like they were British. I think the only way you were supposed to realize that people weren't British, right, was that they, they dressed kind of funny, like that one guy who manned the gate at, at uh, I, I forgot the name of the gate, but Carfax maybe? He had it was the equivalent pants. of Carfax. It wasn't. They didn't call it that in this, but yeah. Yeah, he wore really big baggy pants and you know a big funny hat. I guess that was that was the only hint that oh they're not in London anymore. Essentially, the other thing, yeah. this sort of side note here, is that I, they were able to ride a like a horse and buggy to Dracula's castle overnight. That was that was kind of weird for me. That is true. Yeah, that there was a Transylvania and London. I don't think are that close together. Yeah, it was like the, the Transylvania Express. And there's also, I believe, <laughs> a big body of water between the two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Like it's they did. I don't know. I don't know how they pulled that off. Yeah, that's interesting. And well, I mean, it was a supercharged horse and buggy because it also was able to plow through that gate. So, <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that brings me to the chase scene. I. You know, once I sort of stopped, like, crapping all over the movie, I, I really did enjoy when it when the little Looney Tunes, like, Dracula's running around the castle. They're chasing him. He's, like, trying to open up a secret trap door that we never see the inside of. And, you know, um, was it Homewood, uh, Van Helsing's helper, Mina's husband? He... he, he finds Dracula mid door open and Dracula like looks a little surprised and he throws the candle at him. Yeah. I just, I just thought that was the funniest stuff ever. Yeah. The, the Dracula portrayal in this was interesting because you know, Christopher Lee is famous for his portrayal. Um, and I think the, the aesthetic, you know, the, the look that he has is great. Yeah. Um, but I I would have to say that of all the versions of Dracula, this is one of the least threatening. Um, he 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 looks the part, and and when he does the whole showing the fangs, uh, showing the teeth, you know, blood on the mouth, like yeah. definitely looks creepy. Uh, Christopher Lee had to wear these really uncomfortable contact lenses through most of the film to have the like bloodshot eyes. Um, And so, yeah, he looked the part, but when you think about the scenes where he had to actually attack someone, um, yet it's not too surprising that he was so easy to take down. (laughs) (laughs) What did he he do? He kind of like lunged at a couple people, did a little bit of choking, uh, threw a candle, um, <laughs> I'm surprised he was kind of kind of out of moves at that point. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 
I think, I mean, I think that first scene where they introduced Dracula with the blood red eyes, I think, I mean, I think I've seen that before and maybe I'm crazy, but did they reference that in the exorcist at all? Right. Where in the very beginning of the movie, the exorcist, they sort of flash that subliminal message. It's so fast, almost picture of like a demon face. Oh, the Pazuzu picture. Um, I don't know what it's called, but. Yeah, I wouldn't think so, but maybe. It was, that's um, what I thought of when I saw it. That was cool. But then the rest, you know, he's just, he's like a guy, essentially. A crazy right. guy. Yeah, and it's it, it's funny, too, because, you know, you were, you were talking about how he doesn't really talk or sound like Dracula. Or, you know, it's the Christopher Lee-ness of this, which I don't know if you know much about Christopher Lee, um, but he was the kind of actor that how do i say this right christopher lee was christopher lee's biggest fan (laughs) and was very very proud of his body of work uh loved to ham it up and you know like i said absorb the entire scene and so i'm guessing a movie like this was probably pretty hard for him to take because i didn't count but i mean he had to have had what a dozen lines in the whole thing yeah and he ran away literally yeah at the very beginning when he's talking to to harker they they have a little bit of a conversation then he's kind of gone for a long period of time it goes back to Lucy and you see him show up at the house, um, mm-hmm. but he doesn't talk. He comes in and does his thing and then he's gone. And then, yeah, at the end, he looks surprised to see somebody in his coffin room. And there's the, like you said, the Scooby-Doo chase scene <laughs> and Van Helsing jumps on the window and that's the end of Dracula. Like it was a really kind of a, lackluster showing for the prince of darkness but uh, <laughs> yeah the the original vampire right right yeah he's pretty yeah, yeah i i kept i i read the i don't know if you ever read the stephen king book uh salem's lot no i never did if you've heard about it but it's like stephen king's take on dracula and it's it's actually pretty horrific and and one of the things that I think Stephen King sort of capitalizes on is that it's like this this fear of something that's existed for so long, right? That's survived for so long, right? I, I think that's that's one of the things that I liked about the the Dracula book a lot too, right? That you sort of realize, oh, Dracula's been around for a long time, and and he's a survivor, you know? Mm-hmm. And I I feel like you know somehow this this movie i guess made me miss that because right because like the scooby-doo chase scene right like he just ran away yeah and he even like going back to the 1931 version you know one of the main powers that bella lugosi had was his charisma um they they really played up that idea of Dracula being able to charm and yeah. seduce, you know, just through the gaze of the eyes. And that was, you know, a really powerful thing. And like that, that helped to make sure that we knew Dracula was eternal. Um, right. 
he could have survived for centuries, you know, with these powers. But in this one, there was actually scenes of, you know, Van Helsing was sitting there listening to his radio, kind of taking the notes about vampires and talked about how there are seven things that we know for sure about vampires and it got cut off before we heard all of them, but they, they did stick to the light will kill them. They're repelled by garlic and crucifixes, you know, will repel yeah. them. Whatever the other four are, they didn't get into it. Um, but throughout the movie, I'm guessing a stake through the heart was one of them because they they went to that yeah. a couple of times in the movie. But what was interesting was there was a line dropped where one of the characters said, oh, when I thought of vampires, I always thought of them turning into bats and wolves and whatever. And mm-hmm. Van Helsing said, yeah, that's a common misconception. They don't do that. And I I wonder why they made the effort to put that line in this movie, because you you they never showed that obviously you know they they didn't show an effect of him turning into a bat or turning into a wolf um and maybe that was a budgetary decision that they knew they couldn't pull off that effect well so they just said oh our way of explaining that we didn't do this was just to say he can't do it but i think by making the acknowledgement that that's not a real thing added to this criticism that we have which is it made this version of dracula much weaker like because if he doesn't have that same kind of charisma if he doesn't have the wolf and the bat forms what what is he like he's a guy who sleeps during the day and has an active nightlife like that's not a superpower like how how could he be alive for hundreds of years, you know, active nightlife, right? He's just a guy that works third shift. Like that's not a big deal. That's. And he you steals your girl. Right. You don't survive 300 years by, by doing that. Hell, there's a <laughs> hundred people like that in my town. Um, <laughs> well, he also lived, he, I guess he must've lived in the UK, right? As Dracula. Cause they didn't, on a boat or anything i i i guess i mean they they were pretty well and honestly at that point i wonder too (laughs) i don't think it was set in london because i guess you're probably right the i'm trying to think now like as they were giving different addresses it it sounded very german to me um and, and and maybe i'm getting my regions wrong you know maybe it was austrian or or german or something but the the names of the streets that they were giving out had a very like german tone to it did you, you know what I'm did you yeah, catch it really, like franconia you know i had this sort of impression that they were going for that or like belgium or something yeah something in that regard so again that's not right next door to Transylvania, but it's also not England. So it's, it could be that the whole movie was taking place in this one town or this one region. And there was no cross country or cross Europe travel. Everybody was British, right? Everybody is British (laughs) in in Germany. (laughs) Exactly. Perfect sense. Yeah. Mm I'm trying to figure out an explanation for like, cause I know I've been very critical of this movie, you know, 
you know, I think some of the other movies you'd show me so far were like super strong. And so I'm sort of like, I guess, used to watching these like classics, I guess, that people presumably still talk about like they're the greatest things, which in those other movies were really, I, I think I agree with that. But, but, you know, for all the crap I've given this movie, I still kind of enjoyed watching it. I don't know if it's just because I enjoy watching movies, <laughs> but Scott, why did you enjoy watching this movie so much? Like, what did you enjoy the most about it? Um, I mean, I love a good Dracula story, and and I love all the classic monsters. So, mm-hmm. you know, there, there's there's tons of great things that can be said about some of the modern movies. But every now and then, you just need, or at least I just need that comfort food of going back to you know, a Frankenstein story or a, a Dracula story. Um, it, it's just, there's, there's something satisfying about that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'll, I'll also admit that the, the 31 version of Dracula as classic as that movie is, it's, it's a tough watch as well. Um, it's mm. got some pacing issues. It's very stagey, you know, being based on the stage play. Um, so it, it's hard as a Dracula fan to find a good adaptation of Dracula on film. Um, mm. the, the, every version kind of has its challenge. And so I'm always open to another interpretation. And I think that even though this movie took a lot of liberties with the source material, it it did a good job with telling a story and I would say it did just as good of a job keeping my attention as say any of the universal monster or universal studios versions did. So I don't blame this movie for being slow as much as I kind of blame the source material. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah. I think comforting, comforting, for whatever reason, that word sort of resonated with me. I did feel like, I know you're not supposed to feel relaxed and comforted during a horror movie, but I did feel very, like, comfy, kind of cozy watching this movie. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Because it was very, I guess nowadays it's super tropey, right? And so you sort of know and you kind of enjoy watching what you know is going to happen, happen, I guess. Well, and even if you know the story, it's still, it's, it's familiar territory. Yeah. Yeah, I really I agree. I think that's that's pretty much that's the nail in the coffin on why I liked it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Well, and I want to go back to one point you brought up, which is, you know, kind of why I picked this movie. If all of the other ones I have picked so far, like really iconic or uh, big movies for horror. And the truth is, this is too. Um, Hammer studios and the, the hammer horror uh era it is a big deal and mm. it's it's one of those things that i think it's kind of niche within the horror fan community um i i was actually a, a horror fan for a long time before i knew anything about uh hammer horror but it's it's one of those kind of sub genres or subcategories that there are people who are really really into hammer horror movies uh who grew up watching them who just absolutely love them 
Um, and, and again, it's this isn't a one-off film. There's, like I said, cur- uh, several Dracula sequels, all starring Christopher Lee. There's um, lots of Frankenstein movies in the series. There's several that are not the direct um, kind of classic monster movies as well. So Hammer as a whole is a, is a big deal. This was just kind of my mm. let's pick one kind of at random and say – if we're if we're going to start, let's start here. I fully expect that we're going to revisit Hammer multiple times during the run of this show. This just seemed like a good jumping off point. Um, but I, I, I don't want you to walk away thinking that this was just kind of a random movie or a random pick like Hammer is a known commodity within horror. Hmm. OK, cool. I guess that makes sense. Yeah, so. I think I've seen. Like, I think now that I hear you sort of talk about, like, the Christopher Lee Dracula, I sort of, I think I've, I'm, I've seen this sort of made fun of, or I guess, maybe, in, like, other movies and cartoons, right, where you have this really, like, like, Bella Lugosi was this sort of strong, kind of scary, like, almost overly dramatic version of mm-hmm. Dracula, mm-hmm. and I think the Christopher Lee version I've seen is kind of like this stick-like kind of you know, gloomy version of Dracula who like saunters around and pulls his cape around himself. So I guess I've I've seen that everywhere. Um, hmm, interesting. Yeah. Yeah, we'll have to dig into some more in the future and see. I would like to see too where the Christopher Lee version of Dracula goes. Hmm. Does he get more lines? I I would assume he does. And we'll probably get, you know, more development of the character as as time goes on, um, just to kind of see, you know, where do they go with this story? Because obviously they've taken a lot of divergence from the book already. What other liberties do they take? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah. And do they ever like bring him back? Because he got dusted in this one, right? I mean, you'd think they'd have to. That's kind of what's going to happen if you're going to have a whole series based on Dracula. Right. Anyway, be cool to find out. Yeah, well, we'll we'll come back and uh, I mean, just like any good uh, ghoul, I mean, we're just gonna rise again, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess we will. I guess we will. So, uh... all right. Well, I think we can put this one to bed. Um, yep. Yeah, it was a fun odyssey into the, the dipping our toes into into hammer horror here on the show. Um, and I would say until until next time, if you if you've got some other ideas you want Brian to to watch uh, some new movies or if you're a big Hammer fan and want to tell us which which Hammer movies we should really, really make an effort to see. Feel free to email us at freshbrainspodcast at gmail dot com. Uh, find us on social media. We're on Instagram and on Facebook uh, at Fresh Brains Podcast. Um, post lots of things there just to kind of kind of keep the conversation going every time we're watching movies you can see what what next next week's episode is going to be because um, i sure as hell never know by the time we record here um and yeah so so keep up with us on social media uh email us if you've got some show suggestions and um yeah i i guess that's all the shameless plugs that i can throw out there for now so uh, anything you want to throw out there last last minute, Brian, before we take off? Uh, all I've got in my head is tagline, tagline, tagline. Uh, keep it fresh.
(laughs) (laughs) No, but seriously, I, for all the the harsh criticism I gave this movie, would totally love to see what the, uh, like, the next Hammer, Hammer Studios film is. Uh, You were right, it's comfy. I definitely enjoyed this, and uh, I would would recommend it if you're a horror fan, I guess. Agreed. I think we would both walk away saying that this is a this is a recommend depending on, or, you know, given the fact that it is a little bit slower, maybe don't wait till right before bed. You might not stay awake <laughs> through the end, but um, yeah, I enjoyed it. I think we both recommend it. Um, and we'll definitely be back to visit some more Christopher Lee Dracula movies in the future. But uh, until then, and as always remember to keep your brains fresh. Thank you.